0: Hey everybody, it's Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. I want to thank you for joining us today. We're happy to have you with us. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. We're in our series, The Invisible Hand, and continuing with chapter four of Daniel. It's an amazing book, and Pastor Jeff is going to help us navigate it chapter by chapter. This book is just loaded with messianic prophecies, and we're going to continue that tonight. With me, as always, as our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Good to be here with you again, Mike and, uh, and Kenny. And uh, we are, we're going to dive into chapter four tonight. It's a pretty exciting chapter. And uh, Mm. so before we read it, what I'd like to do just is kind of capture a little bit of where we've been and, you know, and how we're moving forward. I like to do that just to give people perspective. And, um, you know, it's kind of like I always come up with a a thought of of each chapter or section or whatever it is I might be studying or looking at. And this one is more of a question. It's like, what does it take to convince us that God is in charge, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we're going to see here with Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So what we've already learned about the king um, is the following, right? The overall message of each chapter and of the entire book of Daniel, where the king fe- you know, uh, features large in the first part of the book, um, is that God is sovereign mm-hmm. in the affairs of mankind, uh, completely sovereign. Um, he, God raises up, God brings mm. brings down. So <clears throat> we look and we saw that Nebuchadnezzar is polytheistic, right? He worships a pantheon mm-hmm. of gods, Marduk being uh, the top dog in the in the pantheon, and um, and he's still polytheistic after the first three chapters which some people you know you look and you say wait but it seems like you may have had a conversion experience and we'll talk about that yeah Um, we don't believe you did and you'll see why Um, Daniel points out and I think this is really important when we think of the sovereignty and I think I I gave you a few of these verses just to read out for Mm -hmm. us but I want you to read Daniel 1 2 Mm -hmm. right chapter 1 verse 2 and you know look at what this group of of Jews Daniel was taken away, we believe, in the first deportation from Jerusalem to Babylon and several hundred of the nobility. So the, the clan of Judah, mm-hmm. right? So from the, the king's tribe, if you will. And, uh, you know, we're taken captive. And uh, so, but take a look at Daniel's perspective when he begins to put together the book of Daniel. And read chapter 1, verse 2.
0: Yes. So it says, And the Lord delivered... Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure in his house of his God.
1: So we have right there the first inkling of, of what Daniel shows, and then it gets very powerful throughout the book, is that, wait a minute, you guys are thinking, what happened, where's God? But Daniel says, wait a minute, mm-hmm. it was God who delivered us into the hands of king nebuchadnezzar god is in control and you think oh wait a minute you know the babylonians have to be more unrighteous than the jews you know when you were looking at their their lifestyles and everything else but the jews had the oracles of god they had the prophecies they had everything far more than the babylonians had they were far more responsible Mm -hmm. they walked away from god and god through moses said that if you walk away from my commands, I will bring foreign nations against you. I will bring foreign nations. Mm-hmm. So God is in control of all things. And, you know, people today, we fear, you know, what if China over, you know, you know, overruns us and, you know, in a war? And, and what if Russia sets off nuclear, you know, warheads? And, you know, yeah, sure, we could respond because we'll see them coming. But, you know, we're going to get hit, too and everywhere we don't have to worry because god is sovereign
0: mm-hmm.
1: now when we look at this so we see that right in in all of of the chapters so we also see that daniel's god reveals mysteries that's what we know so far homage to daniel and his god were were done by the king when daniel revealed some truths to him as we've read in the past you know and you know He paid homage to Daniel and to Daniel's God for a very specific answer, right? Um, Give me the interpretation of a dream and give me the dream itself. Very specific, pinpointed. Nobody else could do it, but Daniel an exile from Judah, right? And they point that out early. So we see, you start to see God showing the king, showing the people, showing Daniel, showing the Jews who's in charge of everything. And then we know that no Babylonian wise man could could do any you know any of this so read chapter 2 verse
0: 27 Daniel replied no wise man enchanter magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come
1: okay he has sovereign control God you know so God sends Daniel To tell the king, only you know God in heaven can do this. Keep your rewards for yourself. Don't honor me. Don't bow down to me. I'm not. I'm. I'm a man just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But there is a God in heaven, right? And He can reveal these things. God revealed through the king, you know, or uh, through Daniel, um, the future, right? That would affect and impact Mm -hmm. the king and so verse 28 says talks about that yes he said and, but
0: there is a god in heaven who reveals yes. mysteries he is shown to king nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these
1: right and then he goes on to articulate it and now uh, you can go back to the earlier podcasts if you're listening and you're wondering what that is <clears throat> so the god in heaven has revealed this so daniel is giving the glory the credit Do his name to God and then Nebuchadnezzar is also brought to see in this event the bankruptcy of his own polytheistic religion Mm. right and to make his own confession so read 47 in chapter 2
0: the king said to Daniel surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of Kings and a revealer of mysteries for you will able to for you were able to reveal this mystery exactly so
1: he's he's now giving credit to, to, to Yahweh right he recognized recognizes the existence of the Jewish God now he's got many conquered people under his his tent so mm-hmm. to speak and he he doesn't he, he wants to include all the gods and now this God just showed up in a big way right so he confesses that Yahweh is a true God mm-hmm. not the true God and he's the greatest of all but not the only God, okay? And he's a revealer of mysteries, you know? So though, the, these are things that he's recognizing about Daniel's God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar came to know God through Daniel's words and actions, but that's not yet a true conversion, right? We, and we know that. He was impressed by God, but not converted. Mm. And I think that's really, really important to understand. Think about Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. In John chapter 4. She's talking to this woman. He's talking to this woman. She recognizes who he is. He comes out and says who he is. He's the Messiah. She runs off to the city and all the people from the city follow. They follow her. Then they engage with Jesus for a couple of days. And then there's a testimony of these people. Read verse 42, like in John chapter 4.
0: They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. So
1: they were impressed by what the woman came and told them but they weren't yet converted. They came and then in their conversations they did become true believers and mm-hmm. who Christ is. Now that, that And that's an important piece. So there's a lot of times we think of, you know, people when they're You know, they don't have time for God. There's not, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's busy and people say, you know, how you, you look at Babylon, you look at what goes on, you look at our world today, there's so many things. People, you know, they just don't have time. And that's a misnomer, right? It's just a total misnomer. If I were the king, right, and he saw this, I think I'd want to know more about Daniel's God. I think I'd want to know what Daniel says about him. I think I'd want to know a whole lot more. You know, it amazes me how many Christians today, who've been Christians for say five to ten years or more, their knowledge is that of a yeah, you know six month <laughs> right. person because they're not studying. They they might oh, be going. Oh, that yeah, that's right, right. Sorry, yes, yes,
0: okay, sorry. No, sorry. They
1: might be going to church and whatever the pastor talks about that that day, that's the limit of their knowledge, and then they wait till next week. They don't pick up their Bibles. They don't go Well, I don't really understand it. Well, God gave you a brain. You know, you got to do a little bit of work.
0: You got to want it. You got to want you it. You got to want it, yeah. What's I was I sorry. I was talking about the other side where there's people who have a lot of knowledge. That's the other side. You have a lot of knowledge, but no conversion apart. Yes. So those are the two sides of the coin Absolutely. that you tend to have sometimes.
1: Yeah, so. you can have scholars that have read the Bible through and through and they're not converted. Why? Because this, the Holy Spirit has not let them see it. They're Either because of their pride whatever it might be but they're not able to see the truth of what's there and that's amazing when you see that yeah right yeah. and i've seen that that probably all of us have it one yeah. time one time or another but but I, I think of that why wouldn't the king do that probably because he's busy but you know what hear so many people today and look at what's at our fingertips all this stuff on the internet right oh but i don't know where to look well ask somebody right do a little bit of homework when, when you need to google something do you do it yeah do you find it yeah Right. How do you find that? Oh, well, the Bible's different. Why is the Bible different? You know, and uh, you just think of that. It's, it just amazed me. Daniel
0: was super busy. What was his role? He was the really the prime minister. Was the prime That's minister he became, of Babylon. Yeah.
1: He was promoted to the prime <laughs> minister of Babylon. Right. It was amazing. King David was busy.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, he was plenty busy. He was the king. <laughs> he was the king of Israel. And who wrote the half Psalms, the Psalms? Yeah. Right, king David. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, and other things. And, you know, Dan, King David was amazing. When you look at him, he was busy. And so it's not a matter of being busy we're all busy it's a matter of being busy about the right things we busy ourselves with so many things that have no eternal value Mm -hmm. whatsoever and we should give up some of those to put some of the you know some of the eternal values into place so true
0: i think about something that uh since you're talking about this uh you know people look at nebuchadnezzar and they say oh my goodness this guy's like you know dense is a brick he just doesn't get it he's got all these miracles right in front of him and you know unfortunately you see a lot of people today they're they're not really any different uh, Jesus even talks about it in Luke 16 when he talks about the rich man and Lazarus yes the rich man dies and goes and says just send someone back to tell my brothers right. and, and back from the dead back from the dead to tell my brothers and then they'll believe and, and the response is, even if someone were to rise from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. That's basically, unfortunately, how we can be as people sometimes.
1: And what did he say in there also? And I, to your point, they have Moses and the, prophets. and the prophets. Oh, yeah, but if they see somebody rise from the dead, they'll truly, no, they won't even believe. And God knows the heart mm-hmm. of man, right? So really good point. So Nebuchadnezzar, um, the last thing that we'll mention about what we know about him, he erects an image in chapter three. That was the last chapter we we're looking at. And this image, the image in chapter one, uh chapter two, where the the king had this dream, was a head of gold, arms of silver, right? Chest, abdomen of bronze, into the you know, hips where the legs split. The iron legs, so yeah. The the legs were iron, and then in the lower parts of the legs it went to partly iron, partly clay into the toes, rock that was cut out without human hands, smashes the image on the foot. Yeah. Then he goes on to explain that you, King Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold. There will be uh, three more kingdoms that come after you, actually four if you count the rock that's cut out. And he says, and they'll be inferior to yours. So, God, Daniel says, has blessed you and given you your domain, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, so we know that, but in this, in the last chapter, he sets up an image that's all gold, not multicolored, right? And it's all gold, who was the head of gold? He was, he was in the other image. Now, I can picture somebody you know, saying "Never Nebuchadnezzar, you can't let them do that. They don't have to take you over. It's Like you said, they're inferior to you, you know? So maybe it was in defiance to God, he set the whole thing up as gold. It's him, I'm the whole thing, right? So, and anyway, the words of his mouth, right, have not yet reached his heart mm-hmm. when it comes to his belief. And, uh, and we see this frequently. That was what we were just talking about. People declare their belief in God, but in their home, it's not evident. In their place of work, it's not evident that they're a Christian. In their language and habits, it's not evident. Mm. In their finances, what they give to, what they do, it's not evident. Only in their declaration is it real, right? And anybody can say, I'm a Christian, and that doesn't mean you are. It's because if you are, you will produce what? You'll produce fruit the fruit of of that you know declaration okay so we declare it in theory but we deny it sometimes in practice and we've probably listen we've all done that a little bit here and there we do but when you see that person it's just they might go to church but they they never lived it they're probably not a believer and that's not being judgmental the bible tells us self-examine it tells us to challenge one another it does you know as god's people so how do we explain this forgetfulness of profound impressions? Because Nebuchadnezzar had some very profound impressions made upon him. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, think about this. An illustration, I remember my, you know, my cousin Vinny. Yes. Um, yes. I, I don't put that out there a lot because it's, you know, it was one of the funniest movies. You, you can get those movies today. They they remove the the curses. You know, back when I first saw it, they didn't have that technology and a um, long time ago. And uh, anyway, it was funny because at one point he's living next to a train station, right? And he didn't know, it, so he went and got it through the day. It was a cheap apartment, it was really great, thought this was gonna be good. You know, all of a sudden he gets to midnight and the thing starts, you know, going off or maybe it was three o'clock tomorrow, and we're not, I don't remember the exact time. So the first night he's sleeping, man, he can't sleep a wink. He's like up all night long, right? And finally, next day he goes and asks the uh, shop owner, um, you know, coffee shop owner, I think it was, if if this is normal. You know, is this normal? He said, yes, but just through the nights. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is every night, not daytime, right? When I'm, you know, everybody's up during the day, why are it up during the day, right? Nope, just at night. So the second week, he was able to doze off a little bit, you know, for a short period of time, you know, and then that horn would get him again, the the train whistle and whatnot. Three three weeks, right? He's able to sleep for long periods through the night. And then like, by the time a month is over, right? You, you you and this explains what happens. He's sleeping right through it like a baby. Why? You just don't hear it anymore. It's part of the environment, mm-hmm. you know. So that's really really crazy. Now, what so profoundly impressed Nebuchadnezzar no longer makes an impression. Think about that. That happens with different people. It does, and we kind of drift from God. It's, uh, you know, I remember the I worked a lot um, when I lived in Lawn, New Jersey. I worked a lot in Patterson with the kids, and we were right next door. And at our church, we had a big ball field, and it was it was great. I would go in, you know, we'd send vans in, bring the kids out, and we worked with a couple of churches down there, brought the kids out, and they were there, and they'd love it, you know, playing ball with us. We're doing all kinds of stuff together. And then as they stayed longer and longer, like in the summer, and especially as the it gets to fall and the, the sun starts going, you know, down mm-hmm. sooner, and it gets darker and it gets quieter. And the kids would be like freaking out because of the quietness. And we're not thinking it's that quiet, right? And the lights on the side streets are like low, the street lights are everywhere. so many feet. And these kids are all holding on to each other. These are tough city kids. And they're all like, and every noise that's coming out of the little patches of woods. They're running, you know, it's the funniest thing. You know, they, they were scared because there was no noise and no light. We get scared when we go to a city where we can't sleep because there's so much noise and so like much blowing, light, it. right, pouring in. So crazy, and you know it's this is so often the case when people are exposed to the things of God, they'll they'll be impacted profoundly. Mission trips do that. You know we've taken so many kids on trips throughout the years, and they are on fire for God when they get back, and then within a month, they're they're back in their routines doing th- and they're they're. Time spending with God is less and less and less, so it it, it becomes it's like erosion on a beach, yes.
0: you know, and complacency. It just kind of lulls you to sleep.
1: Exactly. So okay, so you know, at first when people get excited about God or, or see something or have a dream like Nebuchadnezzar had or visions, you know, they'll be fearful, they'll be intrigued, um, you know. But eventually, they come to a place where entire they're entirely unaffected um, by the whole experience. And this happens with Christians. We're constantly in need, right, of a Uh, renewal experience. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is in this place at the beginning of chapter three. He's in that false lulled kind of thing that, you know, the Hebrew God is just one of the gods. And you know what? I have no mysteries for him to reveal. We don't need him, kind of thing. So his unconverted fury comes alive uh, in, in chapter three, where he throws you know, Daniel's three companions into the flames because they wouldn't bow down. And there was a miraculous deliverance, right? Mm -hmm. And he saw it with his own eyes and led to his own confession. And read that for us. Chapter 3, verse 28 and 29.
0: Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Right. Therefore, oh, sorry. No good. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way.
1: And that's the key. No other God can save in this way. He's not saying he's the only God. He's saying of all the gods, mm. you're the only one that can do this, right? Yet there's no indication that his own stubborn will has been broken. And he's not yet to the point of bowing before the Most High God. That's not where he's at. He's still self-reliant, just like so many people are today. You don't have to be a king to be that way. You can be, you know, just like us. Mm -hmm. So, and God was knocking. In chapter one, God speaks to him indirectly, right? Someone, you know, kind of like, so, you know, your person, someone you know has a heart attack. That's indirect, right? So you know they had a heart attack through the same age and you go, hmm. Makes you think, makes you go, wow, that's interesting. In chapter two, he spoke to him directly, right? Through that dream. Mm-hmm. And that's like you going to the doctor and he says, your cholesterol is really high. Your blood pressure is really high. You know, all kinds of things are going, giving me warning signs. Okay, so that should give us a warning. In chapter three, He actually shakes him when he sees one like the son of the gods rescuing them from the furnace. That's the heart attack. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, these are chest pains. You're having chest pains. Okay. Maybe it's not the heart attack yet. It's chest pains. And then he's going to knock once more right here in chapter four. And in chapter four, the doors come off the hinges and it's a full blown heart attack. That's what's going to happen here. Right. And God is determined to show Nebuchadnezzar Who's in the position of power? Mm. It's not him. Mm -hmm. So there's a build. If you're reading Daniel, it builds. So read chapter
0: four for us, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to make some comments on that. Sounds good. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the most high God has performed for me. How great are his signs? How mighty his wonders? His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion inter- endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream. But they could not interpret it for me finally Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream he is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him I said Belteshazzar chief of the magicians I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you here is my dream interpreted for me these are the visions I saw while lying in bed I looked And there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Bethlehem, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because of the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from the heaven, saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass field while its roots remain on the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. And this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what decree, This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth, and gives them to whoever he wishes immediately what had been said about nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled he was driven away from the people and ate grass like the ox his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird at the end of that time i nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored then i praised the most high i honored and glorified him who lives forever his dominion is an eternal dominion his kingdom endures from generation to generation all the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him what have you done at the same time that my sanity was restored my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory by my kingdom my advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before now i nebuchadnezzar praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble amen
1: yeah absolutely and you know he starts off chapter four with an acknowledgement of god Mm -hmm. right and it says that he sends to all people's nations and men of every language that live on earth you know Wishing them peace, it seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God uh, does or has done for Mm -hmm. him. You know, how great his signs are, how mighty his wonders and so forth. And yet he still was not converted in the heart, right? So, chapter, you know, verses 1 through 5, everything's going well. Daniel, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, has a a dream and the dream makes him fearful. It's like the repeat of the same story, Mm -hmm. right? So this time he calls in all the gods, uh, the advisors from Babylon and so forth and so on. They couldn't interpret the dream. But this time he didn't send out, in chapter 2 he sends out uh, a an order to execute all the wise men because they couldn't tell him the dream. So he said, you've been lying to me. You know, if you could truly tell me its interpretation, you could certainly tell me what it is. This time he doesn't even do that. He calls for Daniel. Why? Because he knows that Daniel serves a god, not one of the Babylonian gods. Right. That that can that can give him the answer.
0: Yeah. It's so funny how he puts it. Yeah. Like he says the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Like he, he still doesn't get it. Correct. <laughs> yes.
1: And when he calls Daniel in in verse five, he, he cuts right to it and he tells him. He said, I saw this dream it made me fearful. And th- this is the, the the thinking as I was laying on my bed. Right. And the visions that were in my mind and they kept alarming me. OK, he says. And then he calls for the wise men. They come in. They can't do it. This is, Daniel sets this up each time. Why? He's showing that there is only one who knows tomorrow. There's only one who is sovereign. All of these other people represented the gods of the pantheon in Babylon. And, you know, they were doing all kinds of things, you know, reading tea leaves, who knows, they're reading palms, they're reading, whatever they could do, they couldn't do it. It, they They didn't have the answers. And now the king turns to Daniel. Daniel comes in. Nebuchadnezzar shares that dream uh, from verses 10 to 16, and then Daniel reveals the meaning, right, of the dream. And and I love what he says there. And we'll we'll kind of walk through this a little bit because I think it's uh it's really really important. So it's all important, but I think this is where we want to focus some of our time. So he tells him, you know, the dream and. Then he says, then Daniel, verse 19, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. So now we have the king being alarmed, and we have Daniel being alarmed. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. But Daniel replied to him, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you. And it's interpretation to your your enemies, your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, height reached the sky and so forth, visible to all the earth, whose foliage was beautiful and fruit abundant. Well, this is the kingdom God gave to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar thought it was he that built Mm -hmm. this great kingdom. And we'll see that in a moment. He thought it was it. We have this same suffering from a lack of humility and understanding that Nebuchadnezzar had you can see how many business people men and women right mostly men i think but men and women who think look at what my leadership has done look at what yes you should be paying me millions of dollars at the top of this organization because i give jobs to thousands of people i you know look at what i've done all of my decisions have been great no they don't understand that if they're prospering it's by the hand of god Mm -hmm. if they don't prosper that's also by the hand of god right? Sometimes it mixes in our obedience or lack thereof, sometimes not, or from what it looks like. Okay, so we look at this, and it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. So he says to the king, I wish this was somebody else that it was talking about, but it's not. This is talking about you. And the king wanted to hear what was you know, what he thought. He said, well, that tree that you saw, you know, it, it, it's you, it's your kingdom. And he says, It is you, king, for you have become great, you've grown strong, and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. In that, the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven. So this is one of God's angels, one of his messengers. And he comes down and he says, he gives this command, chop down the tree. And destroy it yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him so obviously something's gonna happen and it's gonna happen in a very significant way the king is gonna look like he's destroyed, but yet he says, leave the stump, roots intact, because what can happen there?
0: You can have a new sprout.
1: You can have a new sprout. What does that remind us of in the prophets?
0: Uh I'm gonna say um Aaron's staff because it sprouted.
1: How about the root of Jesse?
0: Oh yes. The stump right. of Jesse. Yes.
1: With you know, it gets cut down, meaning Judah gets cut right. down. We saw Judah get cut down. Here, in Babylon, they cut Judah down. They were taken captive. But the stump is still in the ground, Mm -hmm. still alive. And then it says, and a root will come out, or a branch will come out. And that branch is the Messiah. And the Messiah, you know, so in the greatness of David's kingdom, it won't be. When you see this this branch, you're just going to see him. And it's, you know, the kingdom won't be in its head like it was under David. And that's exactly what happened. Right, so it reminds us as as Christians or, or as Jews, hey, that's that's a familiar thought, right? Mm. So <clears throat> look at for let's look at verses 28 and on because here's where it comes. And Daniel, though, in verse 27, gives advice to the king. He said, May my advice be pleasing to you, break away now from your sins by doing righteousness by living rightly and far from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Daniel feels for the king he wants the king he has seen God working on the king now the king he's open for one last appeal king turn now and maybe he'll prolong that's a picture in history too you know what happened? the judgment didn't come to Judah Several times, it came to Israel already, mm. the ten tribes of the north, but not to Judah and Benjamin. Why? Because they had several
0: kings. Kings that said, tear down the Asher poles, destroy the idols of the altar. And God even told them, well, listen, you're going to make it, but by the way, my judgment's coming. Absolutely. So after you, it's going to come.
1: He told that to Josiah, yeah, King Josiah. Yeah. And he said, to him, you know, he said through the prophetess, Huldah said, tell the king that this will not happen the things he read in the book of Moses will not happen during his reign but it will certainly come after him because the king what did they say his heart was responsive mm-hmm. to the law of God and so God that preserved the judgment it put it set it back that's a powerful, yeah. powerful Daniel is is saying this Daniel would have known that history and so you know, you look at that and it's very, very powerful. Now, let's take a look at, you know, and talk about this for a moment. The vision gets fulfilled. It all happens 12 months later, okay? So God gave Nebuchadnezzar how long to repent?
0: A, like a year.
1: Another year, <laughs> right? Take Daniel's advice, right? You gave him the time. And he said, I know you're busy, King Nebuchadnezzar, so I'm gonna give you a year so you, you find some time. You know, and what does it say? And I I love this. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected. I love that. And your version was a little bit different than the one I'm reading, right? And it says, the king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth,
0: mm. is it amazing? <laughs>
1: A voice comes from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you. It has been declared. It is declared. Sovereignty has been removed from you. Now, who can remove sovereignty? God. But up to this point.
0: Well, up to that point, no one. No one. He was, yeah.
1: Because who's going to Nebuchadnezzar down? Right. He's the king. You you can say what you want, but don't say it to him, right? right? You can. It's you're not going to do it, but. of a sudden now just like he would have someone who would go out and and cry out a command so a command is sent by one of the angels and speaks to Nebuchadnezzar while the words are coming out of his mouth that what sovereignty has been removed from Mm. you. you are no longer gonna be king now people look at this and say what kind of a judgment is this this is crazy and for years people didn't believe this actually happened because it's like, how does that happen? For seven, you know, believed it was seven years. And, you know, for seven years, this is this happened to him where he was driven into the, to the outdoors and living like a wild animal, like an ox, it says. And the dew would come on him. He, he, he didn't want to be indoors. His fingernails grew real long, his hair grew real. He was out of his mind until he recognized that what?
0: that who God is, he is sovereign, he gives, he takes away.
1: That's exactly it. So he tells him this. Now, it's interesting because Daniel reveals the meaning of the dream, tells him what's going to happen, advises him to repent. Then it all comes to pass in verses 28 to 33. And so we just read that first part there. And he says sovereignty has been removed from you. And you're gonna be driven from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You're going to be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time are going to pass over you until you recognize that the Most High God, right, the Most High, is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Now, immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away. How did that happen? So I read something somewhere uh, by a guy named... Uh, Raymond Harrison. I believe I'd have to go back and look if he was a physician. And I think he was, but he saw um, actual, and this was known, but rare. And it was called lycanthropy. And he actually saw it in 1946 in a British mental hospital. He witnessed it firsthand. And it was someone who was living like an animal, but yet when they talked with him after he came out of it and so forth, he internally could understand a number of things, but could not get out of it. Couldn't break free from what it was. It was like impulse to do what he was doing. So God gave him a mind that could understand, right? And again, I don't know the beginnings or endings of this. I just know this, but he couldn't rule like a king. He couldn't do those things until he recognized. Seven years pass over until he recognized who God is. And so he does. And, you know, even the pagan writers of the ancient world tell us uh, that at a point in his reign, and we we have these writings Mm -hmm. in in our our, our hands, um, that he suddenly disappeared and reemerged. He disappeared for a short time. uh, No, he disappeared for a a period of time. Then he reemerged shortly before his death and was restored to you know, his throne. Nobody really knew what happened because they would have kept matters like that mm-hmm. you know, very quiet for a lot of reasons. Some said that he was seized by some form of divinity and that was how they wrote it. And uh, others said a strange illness affected him. And these are writers in history that, that wrote this. So God did this as a punishment for his pride and to teach him a spiritual lesson to bring about his conversion you know and i think that's really really insightful and instructive you know for all of us and re- you know remember this our positions in life are grants from our creator that can be revoked at any time right and while we struggle to hold on and this is the amazing thing look how tightly we hold on to earthly positions power material possessions, wealth, houses, boats, cars, all kinds of things. And we spend so much of our time thinking about pursuing, you know, these things. And what are they? They're they're temporary. They're very, very temporary. But God has given us eternal things Mm. that we can pursue. And we can actually store up for ourselves treasures, in heaven amen that's not a euphemism, euphemism for something that's a reality you know we work hard for let's say 40 years on earth squirreling money away and forth, so forth so that we can what, what we would, would say, say enjoy right, right? in, in quotation, quotation marks our retirement but how many people don't even get to enjoy their retirement they die
0: oh my goodness it's like cliche their stock drops it's so common
1: right they're they can't live where they wanted to live living in, you know, a bungalow, you know, in the backwoods somewhere in a trailer park, who knows? And not that that's anything wrong with that, it's beautiful trailer parks, you know, but the, they were, were envisioning, envisioning a beachfront situation, situation until, you know, and it didn't materialize for them. them. And, you know, you, you look at that, and when we think about these things, we struggle to hold on to the world's wealth, right? Which, Which is, is transient and in power. And we fail to realize that God's kingdom hmm. is what's everlasting. Oh, yeah. And that if we pursue God, the rewards, we get some rewards in this life, don't get me wrong. When you start looking at the world as as God's world, you can count your blessings and see so many things that come from His hand. And, you know, so we need fresh experiences with God on a regular basis. And and that's true. And you know what, though? You have to arrange your schedule to experience them. Mm -hmm. And... Think of this,
0: in chapter 3, uh, sorry, chapter 4, um, Daniel did
1: what? Uh, sorry, in chapter 3, Daniel, nope, we didn't get there yet. Daniel 6, sorry, Daniel um, has a habit, he's prime minister. He has a habit of praying three times a day, leaving wherever he was his post, going over, He probably in an apartment right there you know, close to the big, mm-hmm. you know, where he's working. And he would go open the windows that faced toward Jerusalem, get down on his knees and pray. Now, those prayer times could have been 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Not not long. And him up yet, you, you know, three quarters of an hour, an hour every day. And Daniel would not give that up. Daniel, If Daniel could do it as a prime minister, mm-hmm. which one of us, is so busy, we can't do it, right? And that's how Daniel kept God in his sights. And right before him. And we call that sometimes practicing the presence
0: of God. right? Right. So So that's,
1: I think, important. Second, God will not save both you and your respectability. He has no interest in that. And that's important to understand, right? The tax collector, when he was repenting, would not even look up to God because he felt such remorse such guilt because he knew he was guilty of the mm. sin that you know so he cried out to God he got on his knees he beat his chest and wouldn't look up toward God right so that was a show of humiliation of humbling yourself while the religious leader stood before God looked up to heaven hands outstretched and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this man.
0: Yeah, he prayed to himself. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: think of Paul, the apostle. He was a top religious leader, and what mm-hmm. happened to him?
0: Oh my goodness, he went from the top of the top, basically, to just being a fugitive, going around, because he was preaching the word. And, now, he, and he couldn't give up. And
1: bring it back before we get there, and, and then I want to hear that, too, because I think we all need to be reminded of that. How is... All converted
0: he was converted directly by Christ while he was going to persecute Christians and well the followers of the way at that time that yeah all Christians but going to throw them in jail kill them And yes. he was he was zealous to do it and what happened to him God knocked him down literally
1: and made a bright light so bright shine that it blinded him and in one fell swoop the apostle Paul Went from top of the heap, being able to see and give command during where God took his sight away. Now, this is, I believe, that there's a reason he could have done anything. He could have made him crippled. He could have made him dumb, not be able to speak. He could have taken you know, his hearing away. But here's the thing Paul was killing, jailing, persecuting believers because. He saw that they were wrong. God is saying, "You see nothing.
0: Yeah,
1: therefore you will see nothing." And I believe that that came to him that way. That was part of whatever other reasons God did it for, because Paul would have relished the fact that he could see clearly.
0: And he was also a huge reader. Gamaliel, I said that the big, the biggest problem was he couldn't give Paul enough to read as a student yes so he took away his sight the thing that he really treasured to read he couldn't see he couldn't you know and what he do
1: he had to become immediately dependent on the help of others mm. and someone led him by the hand to get to the city he was heading for and you know God did take away the blindness but only when you know prayer was prayed over him not before so he could see this was by the hand of God. And it was the God of Israel that they were praying Amen. to. And so Paul realized in that moment that Jesus Christ truly was who he said he was. that he did rise from the dead. And Paul had it all wrong. When we become Christians in life, that's the experience. If you haven't had that experience, you, you, you very well not, may not be a believer if you think you are. And, it, and I'm not talking about losing your sight. I'm talking about, you know, having Actually this,
0: seeing that you're, yeah, having that epiphany of what That epiphany,
1: that awakening, that aha moment, the come to Jesus moment, they say, mm-hmm. right? That's what's really, really important. Think of the Philippian jailer. He was the one that Paul was in prison, being, you know, held there. And when you're a jailer for Rome, and this was a, a Roman mm-hmm. province, if you're a jailer, you lose your prisoner, you lose your, your life. life. Right? That's what, that's what happens. One life for another. Yeah. That's it. That you lost it. So an earthquake occurs, the prison doors were shaken loose, and the jailer is about to do what?
0: He's about to kill himself. Why? Because he thinks everybody escaped, because guess what? The gates just came down, they all ran for their lives because they knew they were going to die, now I'm dead.
1: Exactly. And right before he does,
0: Paul says don't do it. Don't harm yourself. We're here.
1: None of us have left Now that would have been shocking these guys all death sentences, you know or, or maybe not fully but but a lot of them do and a lot of them want to, you know, they would have run for the hills and uh, Paul kept them all there and Said no, we're not going anywhere and this man fell to his knees and recognized that That was a sign from God and it says he believed as did his whole household mm-hmm. and then he took care of Paul and the prisoners and treated their their bumps and bruises their scrapes and burns and uh, and fed them so that is is you know that come to Jesus moment that we're talking about and there are many people today that go to churches um, and they they, they they might even be called by their circle of friends in the circles they run in He's a good person. She does so much for the church. And they might not be a believer. People find that hard to believe. Well, if they're not a believer, how could anybody be? I know why they think that. Because they look and say, I don't do half what that woman does. Or what that guy does. Or, and what they real, what they think is that salvation is based on what we do. And it's not. It's based on what Jesus did. Then he said, well, then why are they doing the good works? That's the greatest question. They do the
0: good works. Why? That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's
1: in response to the grace of God, not to achieve the grace of God, not to earn the grace of God because you can't earn it. It is the grace of God. It's unearned. That's what grace is. Mm. It's unmerited favor. So when we think of that, that is how we become believers until you have that moment and it looked like for some people it looked like you know nebuchadnezzar did early on and we realized he didn't then it looked like he did but then we realized he didn't and now most people most scholars do think this was his conversion Mm. and and maybe so now we certainly pray that it was um but that was pretty you know pretty amazing so don't let your faith become complacent Daniel prayed three times a day You know where the greatest position of power is? On your knees. Exactly. That's the greatest position of power.
0: Exactly. Right? The kneeling position.
1: And when we get on our knees, that's what happens. So never be content in your relationship with God. There's always more to be understood, always more to gain, always more to experience. Mm. And that's what God, you know, He beckons us and calls us to higher grounds, always. And that's what we should be doing. So, I think that's really really important um, Your thoughts on and any of that. Market? Yeah, listen, I not I
0: definitely believe that too. I um, you know, and they say, you know God's mystery and uh, Jesus said to Thomas happy are those who have not seen yet believed well, you know about a fifth of the Bible is based towards prophecy and Prophecy has come true throughout the Bible Uh, Even the book of Daniel, I know you'll start as we get into later chapters. We'll be talking about some of the more complexities when he's actually visited for prophetic reasons and explained and told what's going to happen. But, um, you know, the first couple uh, chapters of Daniel are written in Hebrew, but then like chapters, like roughly part of two through almost eight are written Aramaic, which is the Gentile language. Seven, thank you. Sorry. I knew it was right about there. And, um, you know, the thing about the Aramaic language is it's, it's out there for the Gentiles to hear. This was out there for the Gentiles to hear, to realize who God was. It wasn't a mistake that it was even written in that language before after 70, he goes back to Hebrew to start talking about the prophecy. Right. So God's mysteries are everywhere if you're looking and listening for them. Absolutely. And they'll be explained to you. You just, you gotta want it. You
1: have to want it. And the book of Daniel is so good because it explains to us um you know exactly who God, God is and it builds the, the first six chapters are what they call you know there's lots of types of literature in the Bible right like as an example you have prose narrative historical narrative you have letter writing they mm-hmm. call it epistolary Here's what I found. you have apocalyptic literature right and you know that's like the, the crazy language that's what Daniel 7 and following is and and you know all kinds of literature well, the first six chapters of Daniel were what we would categorize as court tales, right? Not tales as in, we think, fairy tale. No, court happenings, mm. what goes on at the king's court, that type of thing. And there was very specific ways that, that material was written. And it is powerful when you look at the material and see how it is written. And it's written in chiastic style, which is, you know, when you think of poetry, Everybody had some form of poetry. You know, we hope they did anyway. I had it in high school in your English lit class or whatever. But it, they show you this. Like sometimes it came in the form of A, B, A, B, A, B, A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it came in the A, B, C, C, B, A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it's done that way in, in Hebrew and in Aramaic, it's, you know, A and A have parallels, B and B have parallels, and then C and C are the main point. And they have, they are parallel directly, and so when you look at these things, it's it's like incredible. When you you read this stuff and you dig into the depth of it, um, you can uncover layer after layer after layer. Mm-hmm. You will never stop reading the Bible, um, or I should say, you'll never stop learning if you continue to read the
0: Bible. And everything is corroborated, even by things that are not, um, not you know. You wouldn't consider them holy in nature in, as far as the books go. I mean, right. people doubted, oh, this prophecy with Daniel and everything, and then they found the Dead Sea Scrolls.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Dead Sea Scrolls, right? And it's true. There were so many people that were doubting what was written in Daniel because, oh, that was definitely written after the fact. Yeah, there's no you way know, they after, could pick out all that. Yeah, no, no way. way. I mean, it was so detailed about you know certain things about Jesus and whatnot that it definitely had to be written first century later. Then they find the Dead Sea Scrolls. They find the book of Daniel. And they find, you know, that it was written minimally, minimally, they said, and the scholars agree on this, all scholars, minimally by 150 BC, mm-hmm. before Christ. So much longer, and many think it was, you know, before that, yeah. well before that, right? Into, you know, 500 BC, which is Daniel, you know, so it was, but amazing stuff like that happens all the time. So... Get it, said when you read through, it's a it's a build. Daniel is a build. It, you start seeing the sovereignty of God in verse 2, chapter 1, but it's a comment. Most people go right past it, uh, but it's God gave Jehoiakim over mm-hmm. to the king of Babylon. You know, you go back to Isaiah 45, and it talks about Cyrus, king of the Persians, and Isaiah before... Sowers ever comes on the scene, he it. You know, 150, 200 years before, he names them, and he says, "I am naming you. I am calling you by name, because you are my shepherd." Meaning, what does a shepherd do? It moves his sheep. You're gonna, you're gonna release my sheep to their pasture. You don't know it yet. You're not even here yet, but you will know. It. And it's like it's powerful it's awesome. when you read what was yeah. written by, by, you know. So, yeah, yeah, really, really powerful stuff. So, um, why don't you pray us out, Mike? And uh, you know, we're just uh, glad all of you uh, joined us for this uh, yes. this segment in uh, in the Book of Daniel.
0: Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this this time that we can spend just speaking your word. Um, if you're out there and you're you're hearing this and you're questioning and you're intrigued and wow, how how can this be? All I can say is this is the God of. Of everything so and he's the one we serve and just pray tell you know we know we're saying Lord I know I can't live up to what you want but please Lord come to me come to me and I tell you what he will come to you if you if you pray earnestly and you seek him your life will never be the same and Lord Jesus we pray that'll happen Lord and we just thank you for all that you've given us all your blessings your love your truth And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.